0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with the OTF Happy Valley Men. Um, Today's podcast we'll be talking a little bit about strength training and dieting in women uh, primarily in regards to fitness. Uh, We have a special guest with us today, uh, Coach Kate. Uh, Coach Kate is one of our uh, coaches here at Orange Theory Fitness Happy Valley. She's got an extensive background um, that covers a lot of this stuff. So we're going to just go ahead and dive right in. We got James and Anthony here with us. And uh, Kate, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Awesome. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. So to give a little background on who I am, I uh, grew up playing a lot of sports, a lot of elite sports, uh, grew up with a passion to helping people and in the nutrition and training world. So took kinesiology in school, went out of it with a good training Um Environment, good training mindset, a lot of education to help people with their training, and then started diving into the nutrition side of it. And especially in women, um, women that have competed in sports before and what their nutrition should look like after that, uh, women going into menopause, different things like that. So, super excited to bring some of that knowledge to the table here today.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, also, just think it would be important to note that Kate is actually um a big time golfer. Um Kate, I yeah, want to ask you am going to ask you a, ask you a <laughs> yeah, question
1: <that> <laughs> like hey, an icebreaker. Yeah.
0: If you can only carry if you had to play an entire course with one club, what would it be? My 8 iron. 8 iron, why?
1: Because I can work my 8 iron the best. I can know it's going straight off the tee. I can chip with it. I think my 8 iron, yeah. All I right. feel like a driver from like 70 yards out would not be fun
0: <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, be challenging for maybe
1: sure. a th- maybe a three would or like a five would because you could play that around the course
0: yeah no Let, I think
1: we'll go with we'll go with eight iron
0: i, I my eight iron's <laughs> probably the club that i hit the best too so i could agree with you there um yeah we I still want, need
1: some lessons when you come back so
0: i'm ready for it so speaking of that <laughs> why the reason why i want to bring that up um go ahead and give our viewers and listeners today a little bit of background in terms of your golf
1: Yeah, so I, um, like I mentioned before, I grew up playing a lot of sports. I actually grew up my main sport being hockey. And due to my brother being a very good golfer, my parents were like, hey, you're going to golf too. And I was like, you want me to walk for four and a half hours and swing a stick? Like, that sounds terrible. But eventually, due to like injuries and stuff with hockey, I pursued golf, went on Division One scholarship to a school in Mississippi for golf. Um, That's where I started my passion in fitness as well, too. Um, I was actually training a lot of like the baseball players and different, uh, people in the gym just because they're like the golfers training the baseball players. Like what? But yeah, swing speed, rotation, stuff like that. I was, it was awesome. Um, and then put the golf clubs down for a couple years after university and then picked it back up a couple of years ago. Got my pro card in Canada, got my professional long drive pro card. I have women's all pro tour status here in the States and I'm working towards Epson tour and then PGA tour status as well too so got a lot of credentials in golf i teach golf i teach women's golf men's golf <laughs> kids golf uh, i love the game so i have a lot of passion awesome. in the game as well
0: well i mean if our viewers or listeners have kids that want to play golf or need lessons yeah <laughs> maybe they, maybe they should hit you up um, exactly
1: we could do an otf golf party like i could help that
0: <laughs> i like it i like it last golf question before we get started with the actual meat and potatoes of the podcast yeah. Um, what is your longest drive in a long drive competition?
1: Yeah, my longest drive was three forty seven uh three hundred and forty-seven yards. Yeah, so that was I, fun.
2: Hey, <laughs> I have a question for you before we get started. Um and yeah. this is a question members asked me to ask if I'm honest with you. They want to know why you say "ooh" instead of out when you say oh <laughs>
1: Out? Yeah, I know. People say that it, it makes the all-outs a little bit better, that I say it funny. So they're like, it's not as bad as when everyone else says it, because you say it funny. Oh, you should have heard when I announced that we had captured the flag. They're like, the what? <laughs> I was like, the flag? <laughs> they're like, that's not what that's called. <laughs> they're like, you're so Canadian. I'm like, well, there you got it.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Do you, do you say um, bag instead of bag?
1: Bag, yeah yeah big flake yeah. um yeah there's a lot of different things so people are like wait you're not from here i do events some of the like golf events i've done people are like hey like where are you from and i'm traveling for them so they're like hey where are you from and i'm like oh i'm from scottsdale like i live in phoenix area and they're like that's not a phoenix accent i was like oh like i'm originally from canada they're <laughs> like but you say y'all i'm like yeah i went to school in mississippi so like i kind of got a a mix of things going on here that's but awesome. yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. So um, it looks like we lost James. I'm sure he'll come back, but I just want to go ahead and dive into to some of the information that you have for us today. Um, so I'm going to let you kind of go ahead and take it away. Um,
1: yeah, for sure. Whatever,
0: in whatever order you want to.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to start on like the nutrition side with females, because this is what I see a lot um, with working with clients and talking with clients is a lot of females and it's diet culture, but they think about diets or they think about their food and automatically what we see is deficits, 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 deficits. And yeah, like scientifically to lose weight, your energy intake needs to be greater than the amount that you're eating to create a deficit. But what's happened over time with diet culture, especially it's in males too, but we're going to talk to the females today is that we see these under eating extreme deficits, these um, like women eating twelve hundred calories, now they're working out, they're doing all these different things. They wonder why they're tired, and then they wonder why they binge. Eat. And it's like, well, twelve hundred calories is what like an eight year old female that's exercising should be eating. So why as an adult or as a parent are you eating the same amount? So that's one thing that I see a lot with working with clients, talking with clients, seeing it on social media. It's like start a diet, start a xyz thing and majority of females are put right around that 12 maybe 13 1400 calories and like my coaching i'm a huge educator on that's not not enough food for females and yes while we need to create a deficit we also need to know where your maintenance is at and your maintenance i promise you is not 1300 calories and people going down to that 10 or 11 so um, just educating women on eating proper amount of foods, and then working into how that looks like in their life. So one big thing that we see too, is when people start something they want, as everything like fast results, they're like, boom, 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 I want fast results. I want it now I wanted it yesterday. And the biggest thing is that, well, it took time to get to where you're at. So it's going to take time to get back to where you want to be. And to do that sometimes it takes that uncomfortable stage or like period of time at the beginning to build up your body and your metabolism to the proper amount of food before burning it back down so that's kind of one thing that hearing around the studio seeing on social media different things is a lot of crazy deficits and then to give people a little bit of education on if you're listening to this and you're like one of those ladies out there and you're like, Oh, I just started a diet and I'm at 1200 calories. Like what do I do now? The biggest thing is little steps in towards that right direction of where you want to go. If you need to find out where your maintenance calories are or just under that, those maintenance calories and slowly 50 to hundred calories a week, it seems like such a small amount each day, each for a week. seems like a small amount to be like, Hey, it's an extra 50 calories each day. But once we go 50 calories, your body maintains, adjust, then you go up another 50, maintains, adjust, goes up 50. Then you build your metabolism to a proper state. And once you're at that state, you're able to find a proper deficit that's not a starving deficit.
3: So I have, I have a question. So what if someone's like, hey, yeah, um, but I just can't eat anymore. Like, I feel like I'm already getting full of this. Like What, what, yeah. what do you say to something like that?
1: Yeah, so I definitely I mix it up with clients like that. Because a lot of times if they are getting full, I take a look into their food logs and be like, okay, what can I adjust that's not going to seem super filling? Okay, it's going to be adding maybe a, an ounce extra something here and an ounce there. Literally, it's not going to be so much that's going to make them full. But their our bodies are so smart. It adapts so quickly. So once you're eating the proper amount of foods, your body is going to adapt. And so I think James is in our waiting room. Or maybe not. It popped up. Okay, sorry. ADHD and its fine, right there. Um, yeah, so um, I was saying like your body, our bodies are super smart. So if we're adding that little, little bit at a time, and if we're finding even at that point, if they're really struggling for food, Something that is a little bit more calorie dense, nut butters, almonds, stuff like that. Women respond really well to fats. Uh, adding coconut oil into their foods, adding coconut oil into things like that, they'll be able to work their calories up without feeling like they're stuffed. Our bodies are not meant to run on 10, 11, 12, even 1,300 calories. And then I can drop into the women that are in menopause if you guys have any questions.
0: Yeah, on that so. First part. If- Before that, so the flip side to Anthony's question, because he asked you, you know, what do you, what do you say to someone that's like, I can't eat anymore? What do you, what is the opposite of that to someone that feels like they're not getting enough food?
1: Yeah. So if they're not getting enough food and they need to add food, but they can't eat anymore in a day, is that kind of what you mean?
0: Yeah. Like they're, maybe they're out of calories or whatever, and they're still hungry or whatever the case is. Yeah. So
1: no that's a good question so what i would start looking at is the food quality there because a lot of times when you give people a range to be around if they are building up and they are finding okay i'm hitting a spot that you know my hunger's there i still have x amount okay well let's look at the type of food that you're putting into your body and let's make sure that we're hitting nutrient dense foods because if you're hitting nutrient dense foods pretty much 80 to 85% of your meals you're going to feel more full, you're going to have more energy, you're getting micronutrients that you need and your body needs, and you're not really going to have that feeling. Now, if you're taking somebody that's been in a calorie deficit for a long time building them up, there might be that little bit of that uncomfortable, uncomfortable phase as they build up. And that's just something as a coach that we talk them through. Because it's not even mentally for women to be like, Hey, I see my calories now at like 200 calories more than I have ever been before, like in their head, that's a lot, right. But it could still be, you know, the scale staying the same, they're still have better energy, different areas of their life, in that sense. So nutrient dense foods, especially if you are feeling hungry around the calorie amount that you're supposed to be at, take a look at the foods that you're putting in. Because if you're eating 100% nutrient dense foods for your calories, there's a very high chance that you're not going to be Full, or you're not going to be hungry throughout the day. Sorry,
2: Perfect. James. Shoot me with a
1: question. You missed out. I got you.
2: Um, so <laughs> I'll be playing devil's advocate uh today. Yeah, um, so it. what will the devil the devil's advocate say? So, um, from a perspective from a different perspective, right? Um, yeah. so we went over nutrient dense foods and uh, you know, the increase in calories for um you know, for for females that say, you know, they, they aren't eating enough and how that can kind of, uh, you know, be a mental battle. Now, let me ask you this from a devil devil's advocate perspective. Um, what about the lady or man that's already overweight that says, mm-hmm. I'm overweight because I'm not eating enough? What about yeah. that?
1: So that's actually a really interesting case because it definitely, as any nutrition case, goes case by case. I've had clients that are overweight. And I looked at their logs. And from what they showed in their logs, it still showed that they were under eating. Now, in my head, I'm like, if you are under eating that amount, there's no way that, you know, you're going to have that extra stored up energy on your body. But what I find is that when they log, and they log that under eat, they do under eat days, But then they have days that they are way overeating because of their under eating. And that's majority of the time where we get the weight loss, or sorry, where we get people with weight gain being like, but I promise you that I'm I'm only eating 1200 calories. I know I am because I logged it for four days out of the week. I'm like, well, what happened to the other three days? And that's where that gap of, hey, I am under eating, or I'm eating healthy foods kind of lines up to okay that's what you're doing but what are you doing consistently because what you're doing consistently is very different than what you think you're doing on only four days out of the week so I've had clients where they came to me they are overweight I look at their logs I'm like 1200 calories like this doesn't make sense I'm like okay do you know what I'm gonna start you here but I'm building your calories up and they're like but I gotta lose weight I'm like you're not good. If you are actually eating 1200 calories, you're not going to lose weight by me putting you to nine and you're going to hate me. So what I do is I'm like, you got to trust me on this process. We're building your calories up, the more that you can stay consistent with this, I promise you, you will love it. I have a case right now with a client that she's six, six or seven weeks with me, came in overweight, I built her up about 400 and some calories, and she's lost 20 pounds. And she's like, what? How am I eating more food? I'm like, It's not necessarily that you're eating more food if you look at a weak spectrum, but you're eating more consistent, the proper amount of food, and now your body is responding different. So that's kind of what I look at when I get clients with that case that say that they're under eating, but they have.
2: So what you're saying is that being consistent at a higher calorie count is better than being inconsistent at a extreme low calorie count, which is how most people attack your diet.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That's like the easiest way to sum up everything I said. Boom, drop it. (laughs)
2: Listen to that guys. That is probably the best
3: advice that can be given.
1: But that's the advice for literally anything in life and people take nutrition as this like crazy need to reinvent the wheel system and it's not like you look at your day job okay if you're in sales for example if you make like four, sa- four calls one day and then a whole bunch the other day like isn't it a lot easier just to make it consistent budgeting money isn't it easier to put away five dollars a day and save up over wait till the end of the month and have to put a bigger chunk away I'm like, literally, nutrition, understanding nutrition, calories, macros, a lot of people are very uncomfortable at the start. But I'm like, hey, well, you measure your dog's food, you check your budget, you measure everything else in your life. Like, why aren't you okay learning this system somewhere else in your life? Because you do it everywhere else. And if you don't do it other places, your life budget, different things become a mess. Like, if you want your health in check, this is a way that you can do it.
2: So I'm going to ask the question. Um, yeah. and hopefully, hopefully, get the answer. Um, is it possible to be under eating, meaning in a calorie deficit, and be overweight? Is it possible to be in a calorie deficit, be under eating when most people say I'm not eating enough, and not lose weight? Um, and it doesn't matter if you're in a calorie deficit, um, if you have menopause, if you have some sort of mm-hmm. thyroid issue. Does not matter yeah. if you're in so a we'll college? Start,
1: we'll start with the first one. I mean, like I said, ADHD will get me all over the place with that one. Uh, so that first part, yes, you know, there's, it's very small chance, very small percentage compared to what people think. Everybody thinks that they have metabolic damage or all of these different things. Like I, my thyroid is broken. I have metabolic this, that. Unless I see the blood work to like kind of show that, I'm very, I I step back and I'm like, okay, well, let's try this first. Because our metabolisms, they adjust and adapt, but they don't, unless we have an underlying health condition, which opens a totally different can of worms, then we don't have, our metabolisms aren't broken. They aren't uh, like damaged to what we think. They're adapted. That's just how humans have been. That's how we've been for centuries is that we've always been able to adjust on what's around us. Hunter-gatherer time, their bodies adjusted depending on the season and how much they could bring in. We're still the same humans now. We have a lot more surroundings that we can just go to a fast food store and get food, but our bodies adapt and adjust. So when people come to me and they're like, hey, I have XYZ conditions or health problems, I – Work through that in the sense of I'm not a doctor, I will never say that I'm a doctor. I will tell them to get blood work done, I will see if they need any medication that that's talked about with their doctor, and I will adjust accordingly. There are times there's like PCOS, yeah, like you're a little bit more carb resistant. Am I going to adjust for that 100%? Menopause, we talked on, yeah, when you go through menopause, and this is why it's so important for females that are pre menopause to build up their calorie intake because you do have a reduction in calories once you hit menopause but if you're eating 1200 calories and you go into menopause and you go back by 200 because of your hormones well shit now you're at a thousand calories right it makes more sense to build it up and then pull it back so that's another big thing and then with menopause like clients that i've had that are already through menopause or with it you can still eat a higher calorie amount and adjust your percentage of macros to what your body will respond better to. So for a majority of my females that have gone through menopause, first, I teach them how to count macros, I teach them on to hit a protein ratio. And then I focus on a higher amount of protein and fats with still sustainable carbs, but not as high as I would, a younger female, a male, an athlete that's training a certain amount. So there's Every like situation that comes up I feel like there's proper adjustments around it with proper guidance though
2: so this will be the last the last question that I have on this topic um I'm yeah playing devils advocate so my my name is Jamie here um, and I I'm trying to lose weight okay and I'm listening to this podcast um, and people want to hear what they want to hear not what they need to hear right yeah so what I'm wanting to hear here is I can eat more calories and I'm going to lose weight. That's what I, that's what I'm wanting to hear here. So that's yeah. what I'm, so that's what I'm hearing. Right. So I'm going to eat more calories and I'm going to lose weight.
1: Yeah. So I would tell Jamie that I would not go up in cat. And we, I kind of talked on this a little bit earlier, I think before you were on, but when I say eat more food, I'm not saying, okay, you know what? You are at a thousand calories. You better knock that up to your maintenance right now. Cause your body will not like that. And you will not lose weight if you go from a 1000 calories to 1819 what maybe you should be at in like, boom, I'm there. And that goes back to humans just wanting things so fast. No, do not just go and up your calories by 800 900 calories per day because you will not lose weight, your body won't know what's going on you up your calories 50 to 100 a day for a week. And you see if you gain weight or lose weight and how you feel. And then you adjust from there. If you feel like you kind of stayed around the same, a lot of women will drop weight by getting, by adding a little bit or they stay the same. And if they stay the same, I, as a coach, and this is under guidance, I push to when they start, you know, moving a little bit too much. And then I make adjustments. But if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, Co- Coach Kate said I can eat more food. Do not up your food. <laughs> by 800 to 900 calories a day. If you need help, reach out to one of the four of us. We are here to help you. I will help you. I'll jump on a call and go over that with you over top of you trying to do it yourself. Because as a coach, I don't know, I know James has a coach, but as coaches, we have coaches, right? They help us, guide us through different things that are uncomfortable for us, even though we understand they can be uncomfortable for us to actually implement and do. So don't hesitate to reach out for help. next question.
3: (laughs) Um, I have a question,
0: but it's not really more, more so geared towards the exact thing that we're talking about now. But Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, cause you coach multiple different clients and I'm sure that they do multiple different things from, you know, maybe some of them do CrossFit, maybe some of them are athletes, maybe some of them do Orange Theory, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, most of the people, you know, initially that are going to be listening to this podcast are going to be people that work out at Orange Theory, more than likely. So I just want you to tell them or tell us, uh, essentially, why Orange Theory for you. Um, obviously, you you know you've been an athlete, um, you've worked out multiple places. I mean, I know Orange Theory is not the only thing that you've done, but what it is it what is it that draws you to Orange Theory? Um, that that you enjoy with the workout, um, and that you yeah. think the benefits are for the clientele that we that we have.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, for me, the very first thing with Orange Theory and getting people into the gym is something goes back to consistency, something they enjoy to do, something that um they're excited to go to. That's one thing that I've seen a lot with uh, Orange Theory is that it creates that community that people crave to come back to, right? could I say that XYZ for somebody is an ideal workout for them? Yeah, but if they're not going to do it, then it's not an ideal workout. If going into the gym excites you, and there's coaches you love and people and members that you become friends with, that creates a community that allows you to not only get healthier, but get excited to go to the gym, right? The other thing with Orange Theory that I love is we are busy humans, majority of us are super busy humans. And to hit cardiovascular health and weight training health, all in throughout your week could be very hard if you don't have structure to it. When clients are coming into Orange Theory, they get cardiovascular health being on our treads. And then depending on how they use that weight floor can be very beneficial um, for muscle growth, for leanness, for getting uh, i hate to use this word, but that toned look that they want, um, but that's where it's going to happen. It's going to happen on the weight floor and on the treadmills, as much as a lot of times we were like, oh yeah, my cardio is going to get me nice and skinny, nice and fit. It's like, no, like the lifting weights is going to get you fit, right? The cardio will help aid that, but it's not going to be what makes you look toned or makes you look the way that you say you want to look right on the weight floor, heavier weights, adding temp tempo not just going through the movements taking them nice and slow feeling what you're working if you don't know what you're working ask the coach because i promise you we will help you feel what you're working but for me orange theory is the one place um, as a coach that i love to come back to and the biggest thing is the community the workouts are awesome you get the data after the workouts to get to see what you want to see uh collect the data that's another really cool thing collecting all the data and kind of seeing throughout and then you hit all aspects right you hit that little bit of mobility at the end, you hit your uh, cardiovascular health and you hit weight training and you can utilize that weight floor as much as you want. And if you don't know how to, I know a lot of people in this frame that can help you.
3: <laughs> yeah. I love all that. Kate, um, heck, I'm going to on my head with everything. So speaking of the weight floor, um, like a common thing, especially with most women is, you know, lifting weights, right? Like I don't want to lift too heavy. I don't want to get too bulky. I don't want to, you know, get you know too big of muscles. I don't want to look, you know, that you know that masculine look. So, what do you say to yeah. someone like that, like especially you know, kind of like on the weight floor, and especially not just on do, but just in general?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I tell majority of women that it the training that you're doing is not going to get you bulky. Like, if you are doing Olympic powerlifting and eating a ton of food, then yeah, like as a female, you have a chance to get bulky there, but If you're eating, you know, especially what most women are eating and lifting weights, they're not going to get bulky, right? If they're afraid to go up in weight to go because they think they're going to go bulky, personally, what I do is I keep them at a lighter weight, but I make them add some tempo to it, right? It's more time under tension. They're actually starting to contract the muscle a lot more than if they're just swinging the weight. That's what we see a lot of like, you know, people just moving through. What I take them, first of all, I try to educate them that they're not going to get big and buffy and things like that. But if they have that set in their mind and they're not going to believe it, then I just go into a different style. I'm like, okay, we're going to go slow, controlled. Everything on the way down is three seconds. You know, you can keep 10 pounds, but everything on the way down is three seconds. And that's going to honestly be harder than them going up in weight (laughs) in some areas. So that would be like kind of my adjustment. If you're on the floor and you are like afraid to get bulky, keep the weight that you're at, add some tempo so that you're using and utilizing that muscle correctly. But I will say, I'm going to go back to this toned look, because we hear females say it all the time, if you want a toned look, you need to lift weights. And you need to lift more weight than you think you need to lift. So you're not going to get bulky. I promise you, you need to lift like a lot of heavy, 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 heavy weight if you want to get bulky and over a long period of time with a lot of food. So. I like,
2: I like that because you're thinking outside the box and you're thinking about them as opposed to what you would do. Um, you mm-hmm. know, instead of being like, Oh, this is the way that I do it. This is what I'm used to. They're like, "Ah, oh, no, let me find a way around to still do yeah. the same thing and still get those same results. I, I like that a lot. Um, so my question, um, for you, um, today is, and again, plain devil's advocate, right? Um, I'm going to go back to, um, a controversial topic uh, that came out maybe a couple months ago. I don't want to get controversial. What I want to get is informative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so something like uh, like the Sports Illustrated uh, cover that came out, um, you know, that had the the bigger lady on the cover. All right. Yep. So from a devil's advocate perspective, right, what I would think and what I would say um, as a coach would be like, hey, this is just giving an excuse to people – who don't want to make that change and get themselves healthy an excuse to not make the change right now from a female's perspective because in the end this is what this podcast is about and this is what matters um how is that good bad and ugly for somebody that's trying to make that change right how does it positively affect somebody and then how could it negatively affect somebody as well what's the point from a female perspective
1: Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good thing to ask because like I've seen, I know exactly which one you're talking about and yeah, I definitely had a bunch of things cross my mind too and when I look at the picture and I see it out there, what first comes to my mind is health and sports especially is not a one size fit all, right? So when it comes to health, our body shape is not the only thing, like that's one piece of the puzzle of health. There is so many different parts of that puzzle. So why do we focus so much on one portion, right? The other side of me is like females that are the best in sports. And you know what? They they don't really care about their body composition, but they are still unbelievable athletes. And those athletes should be able to be displayed wherever they are able to are able to hit up to. And if it's a Sports Illustrate where – you know, it's a body cover. And it's like no body shame. And like, we hear that a lot, like, don't body shame, don't body shame. And yeah, like 100%, I feel like her confidence to do that. And to put that out there that you know what, it doesn't matter where she is in her process. She knows in her piece of soul, hey, her mental state is through the charts to put that up there, her confidence, her other areas of life are so like, body's just one thing for her. And it it's so different from person to person. What we care about our bodies looking like could be totally different than other people, right? It could also be on the side of like we also know, as I think most of us have competed before, when we're the most shredded competing, we're actually not very healthy, right? And so it's like why we're showing, you know, on magazines super, super shredded people that just competed. I'm like, well, that's not healthy either. Is the other it's up to people to kind of decide on where they want to put their opinion there. Um, another thing that like enjoying the process and, you know, people are so focused on results, results, results. And I think that could kind of fall under this case that like, you know what, this lady's on maybe a different path towards success in a different sport than what you're guided to towards with your body goals. But at the same time, if you're enjoying every step of the process as you're hitting things, as you're getting consistent, you're going to enjoy it a lot more. And you know, you're not going to be super worried about, you know, being over conscious about your body, but you're going to enjoy where it's at, wherever it's at, because you know, your health is in check.
2: So what I'm gathering from you, and I'm glad you said the word over and over and over and over. Um, what I'm gathering from you is that it doesn't matter what you look like, as long as you're in the process of getting yourself healthier. Right. Yeah. Um. So if you're just sitting there right, and you're just okay with being overweight and not going through the process of making yourself healthy, then that's a different conversation than the one that we're having now, which yeah. is, it doesn't matter if you're 300 pounds, it doesn't matter if you're 400 pounds, as long as you're on that treadmill, um, just thinking it from an OTF perspective, as long as you're on that treadmill, that rower, that weight floor, trying to better yourself, it doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah,
1: right? 100%. And people are... Like, I don't know if you've ever worked with clients with obesity or like the other, there is also a point where like, if you've been through obesity, that your hunger hormones are different than a person that's never been to that state, right? So we don't know where people are at when they walk into the gym. We don't know where people are at when they're, you know, on magazines or on different things like that. All we can take away is what we're doing with ourselves and deciding, hey, yo, it's not just about body composition. That's one thing that usually aligns with other health markers. But there's other health markers that, in my opinion, are way more important than having a six pack stress levels, sleep levels, hydration, like enjoying life, making sure that there's no depression, like uh, those are way bigger than having a six pack of abs, right? So usually to have a six pack of abs, you need a lot of that other stuff kind of balanced out as well, too. Because if you're only sleeping two hours a night, and you're stressed through the roof, your body's going to retain and you're not, it's going to be kind of hard to have abs. So what I'm kind of getting at just to sum that up is that no matter where your body's at, if you're taking those proper steps to where you want to be health wise, mental health, physical health, health with family, all those other things, they're going to align properly to keep you moving to where you want to go. It's The time's going to pass. And I saw this uh, uh, the other day on, I think it was like on Instagram. It's like the time's going to pass anyway. So why waste it? Right. The time's gonna pass, go for a walk. The time's gonna pass, go to the gym. The time, like, we're gonna go through the years no matter what. Just start doing little things. Don't try to do everything at once.
2: Drop that mic, baby. That was beautiful. Boom! (laughs) That was beautiful.
1: But any other questions?
0: Well, I did, did you address everything you wanted to address in regards to menopause? Because I know you had brought that up um Uh, that's that's a good question because we kind of uh kind of uh
2: stopped in the sidebar a bit um the question was uh that i was gonna uh, kind of follow up with is um so if you are going through menopause or you have some sort of thyroid issue some sort of issue that is um that is preventing you from having your knee um where it needs to be or where it should be as far as you burning the amount of calories that you normally do um Mm -hmm. does it change the answer as far as you have to eat less calories to lose weight, or you have, to, let me rephrase that. You have to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight, right? Does, does a medical issue change the mechanics of what needs to happen for you to actually it, lose weight?
1: Yeah, it, it definitely can. And let's talk on menopause because talking about like thyroid issues and, um, other underlying health issues that varies from health issue to health issue. So let's hit menopause for today, uh, with menopause. So yes, you will have a reduction in calories going through menopause, your body doesn't burn as much, but it's more kind of like PCOS, it's more resistance to carbohydrates. Now, you can still have fruits, you can still have vegetables, you can still have potatoes, you can still have very nutrient dense carbohydrates. And that's actually going to help fuel you the proper amount. And then it goes down to ratios, you can still I have women through menopause that are still eating way more calories than before, but they're eating more protein, more vegetables and higher fats to get the calorie amount with like, medium to semi low, I don't want to say super low, but like 20%, 25% of their calories coming from whole, um, whole food carbohydrates. So going into that is like, yes, there are adaptations and there are different solutions for people with underlying health problem, menopause, different things like that. If you are stuck on it, honestly, talking to a coach, hiring a coach can help you so much. Just learn and educate you through those phases. But there are changes around it.
2: So how would you adapt somebody's diet um, that was on menopause? Say, uh, let's use somebody as an example. We'll use Jamie again as an example. Yeah. hey i'm going through menopause um i used to eat 2000 calories um and i would be at a consistent calorie deficit and lose weight all day now i'm eating 2000 calories and i'm not losing weight what do i do
1: yeah so i would her if she's eating 2000 calories consistently before menopause and now she's stuck eating that same amount yes. i would take her down i would take her down a little bit and i would see how her body responds first and then if she's not responding i would go into changing those percentages a little bit more, right, again, going into that higher protein higher. So yes, like on the other side of eating less, there are cases, and I 100% get cases where people are eating way too much, like, that is very on a consistent basis as well. We were kind of touching today on the topic of like building up, but we can talk about calorie deficits, maybe on another one coming up. But like educating people on how to go into a safe deficit would be a great topic for us. But there are cases where, yes, I pull people down into a deficit because they now have, you know, a resistance to that amount of food. They do have a decrease in X, Y, Z, and they can't, they're not 20. And that's the same as athletes. When you're an athlete and you're training four hours a day and you're like, yeah, I'm eating 3,000 calories and I'm shredded. And then you get an office job and you're like, I can't eat 3,000 calories (laughs) anymore. It's like, it's literally the same thing, right? You have to adjust to the situation around you, to what's going on around you. And that's just kind of like weight loss is not one straight linear road. It swerves, it's up and down, it goes everywhere, right? And you need to be able to adjust for those bumps and those swerves.
3: I got a question for
0: you, Kate. Um, yeah. And this might not be so much geared towards women, um, which I know most of this, you know, um, podcast was supposed to be about. But being as you are an athlete, you've trained athletes, you've trained kids how to golf, etc. Um, is is it in your mind is is it safe? And at what age should kids start um, working out? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, it definitely depends on the growth spurt of the kid and when they go through that growth spurt, because it can kind of change around that. Um, I'm a huge fan of kids learning fundamentals of weightlifting at a younger age. Um, doing a lot of body weighted stuff at, you know, that seven, eight, nine, once they're hitting that like 12, 13, learning under proper guidance, the biomechanics of doing different weighted exercises I personally think that if we were all educated on how to weight lift how to eat how to do all those proper things in like middle school and high school properly actually like educated properly (laughs) that you know obesity would be such a small problem today or overweight and health issues that happen through the country I'll say our country I'm U.S. now We're, we're through our country is like You know, there would be a lot less if we were educated and these were like things that we were taught to do at a young age. And if we understood that the consequence was quicker than like, you know, 10 years down the road of what we're doing now. But I'm a huge advocate for kids and fitness and especially on the sports side, like my kids, golfers, when I do kids camps, normally they're booked out two hours. We do an hour of like golf lessons and the other hour is like physical fitness. Because what people don't realize with golf is that the best golfers come from some type of fitness background. It's because you have hand-eye coordination, you have balance, you have strength, you have explosive movement, you have control of where your body's moving in time. If you don't have that as a kid golfer, you're going to be pretty stiff and it's going to be hard to move, right? So I do a lot with kids of like balance, explosive exercises, jump exercises, same as hockey. We did a lot of that as well, too. Right. So, yeah, I think getting kids into a gym setting, even when members at OTF bring their kids to the studio and they're like working out and they're on their iPad, I'm like, just seeing a parent work out. And I feel like maybe a lot of us didn't grow up with that because working out wasn't as popular, but seeing a parent work out and spend that time on themselves, I feel like the next generation of kids are going to be a lot more, you know, moved towards, hey, I want. My my mom did this all the time when I was a kid. They're going to be more, you know, inclined to do that with their life as well, too. So huge fan of it.
0: That's awesome. Um, I really like to hear that, too, because, you know, I I I just uh, I have a 12 year old son and he has, you know, a lot of friends and they're playing football and doing different things like that. And, you know, really wanting to get into lifting weights. And I just know that there's some good things to do, not so good things to do. So that's just yeah. good information that I think to have for sure. Yeah.
1: Anything that like, you know, a bar with no weight, even like a dowel and getting him learn to squat, learn to deadlift, like, it doesn't need to be weighted to start. But you know, banded exercises for kids, boom. But like, if he can learn how to do the proper like fundamentals at a young age, when he's 1617, and that's when like majority of teenage boys are like, Oh, yeah, I want to get jacked. He's gonna already have fundamentals that are going to push him way ahead than people that are coming in and doing it wrong.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, Last question from me. Um, Yeah. We, we talked about um, a lot of things, fitness today, but I want to talk a little bit about, and the reason why I'm bringing this up um, is an Instagram uh, story that you put up earlier talking about progress, um, you know, and, and how it doesn't happen overnight. And, and obviously (laughs) we know that, Um, but you know, working at orange theory in the fitness industry in general, you have so many people come in, they want to see results right away. They want, they get upset women, particularly because they don't burn as many calories as men during the workout. Um, you know, different things like that, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not fair. Um, you know, just all those questions. So I just want you to talk a little bit about progress. Um, and just how it relates to the, to women versus men and just, you know, all, all things like that.
1: I can one hundred percent say I agree with those women that it's total BS that you guys burn so much. But what can we do about it? We can't control it. And this is again, anything in life, we have controllable and uncontrollable situations that come up. And it's like, where do we decide to put our energy? If you're putting, if you're coming into OTF and you're putting all your energy being mad about this guy beside you burning eight hundred calories, you burn six hundred well, like, where? why are you putting that energy out there when you could put that energy into yourself being like, look it, if I didn't come here, I wouldn't have burned 600 calories. It's you against you at the end of the day, right? And that's what a lot of people don't see. And that's why social media is, and I've done posts about this before, but social media is a reel of people's highlights that they put out to the world. It is not the real, like it's getting sometimes a little bit better. People are like, hey, real posts coming at you. But at the same time, it's like it's literally it's a highlight reel, and but we compare ourselves in our worst times to people's highlight reels in their best, right. so why why are we comparing things we can't control? Why are we focused on everybody else? like again, other areas of health that I was talking about in that circle, like stress and all these different things? well that's a, we put a lot of stress on ourselves and on our bodies because we compare if we put that amount of energy into pumping ourselves up, like we would pump up some, one of our friends that are starting a fitness journey, right? If we have a friend that we bring into orange theory, we're going to be damn proud that they hit that workout and that they burn 500 calories. We're not going to be like, well, you know, that guy beside you burned eight, you could have done better. Right. But we talk to ourselves in this like totally different dialogue than we would talk to anybody else. And being able to understand that we have things that we cannot control And to learn to take this big flashlight and take it off of what people are controlling themselves on and just control it on yourselves. Like put that flashlight on you, put it on what you can control, because I promise you in and that post that you're talking about, like I posted that because that's like, not just 12 weeks, that's not just 10 weeks. Like this was, you know, a year and a half change, right? And people are like, oh, I, I want people see transformations or changes like that in 12 weeks. And they're like, I want that. And it's like, well, I can't promise you that you're going to get that, right? If you want consistency, and like, I can tell you from that picture and that post, like, I had a lot of inconsistent days in there, right? right but yeah. I still, when I fell off, I got back on. And when I fell off, I got back on. And what that showed is that over, you know, 13, 14, 15 months, that even though there was a lot of times that I fell off, and I got back on, it's still overall, led to more days in the good than more days in where I felt like I was off, right? And it shows people that if you just keep focusing on what you can control when you fall off, right, you have a wedding, you can't control what foods out there, fine, get on the next day, you have XYZ, you can't control get on the next day. Because over those two years of actually getting on the next day, and not just waiting for a Monday to hit or not just waiting for the next challenge to come up, things like that, you're gonna make changes, and I said it earlier in the podcast. The time's gonna pass anyways, right? Just jump back on.
0: Good, that's good.
2: That was such
0: a I b- love that
2: awesome question. Um, my last question um, is just gonna be an expansion of that. Um, I always feel it's best if if we let people know the why, right? Why? Um, mm-hmm. and I think it helps them out a little bit. Um, so the last thing for me is, can you kind of go into um, some of the physiological and physical difference between men and women that do make men burn more calories
1: yeah so a lot a lot of it can come down to hormones in men their higher testosterone and then also the mass in men if you look and you have a male that is 200 pounds against a female that's 150 he has an extra 50 pounds that he is burning and utilizing over you so like you can't necessarily again comparing yourself to somebody like James and me like he's got a lot I have muscle but he's got a lot more muscle unfortunately so if we're both running there's a higher chance that he's going to burn a lot more than I do right so it's just understanding that everybody's different males they have higher testosterone they have more muscle mass they they can gain muscle faster than females which increases their metabolism and then they lose weight faster like again it's just yeah It's BS, ladies, but it is what it is, right? We cannot change it. I wish we could change it. If there was something we could do to change it, we'd be making a lot of money on whatever pill that is to change men to females, um, hormones and vice versa. But it is what it is.
2: So that 150 pound female that comes up to me, complains to me that I'm burning 1200 calories while they're burning, you know, five, 600 calories. If they were 230 pounds, they would be a lot closer to that amount of pounds that I'm burning, right?
1: Yeah, and you can tell them, hey, if you want to lift heavy weights and get like heavy, heavy, heavy weights and eat a lot, a lot, a lot of food and you want to get 220 pounds, then we can talk about matching our calories. But I bet you they won't want to do that.
2: So in I can the, almost in the,
1: guarantee they don't want to do that. So,
2: so in the grand scheme of things, from a female's perspective, it's better that you're burning less calories because you're not two hundred and thirty 30 pounds, correct?
1: I, I, 100%. Like, that's the <laughs> same as just clients in general. Like, if I have a client that needs to lose 5 pounds or 10 pounds, and I have a client that needs to lose 50 pounds, I just know that the progression of the 50, like, needs to lose 50 pounds is going to be faster Than the ten pounds, right? It's just different body types. Males again, the hormones, the muscle mass, um how they can build muscle faster with the hormones that they have and the amount that they have. Like it's just we can't compare ourselves to them.
3: Well, I have a question for you too, Kate. Um, I like what you said. Like no, um, fitness, like it's it's a journey, right? Like like yours was like what year and a half, you know, to get to where you want to be. So. Um, I think like what you were talking about earlier too, is like making progress and being consistent. Um, how do you teach or coach your clients, whether it be in the fitness or especially with like the diet, be consistent with their calorie intake. Like what are your tips and tricks for consistency?
1: Yeah. So, um, kind of depends on which area, but like just the overall consistency. I like my question I ask all the time. I was like, what'd you do to get 1% better today? What'd you do to get 1% better today? Because over time, that's going to add up to a lot on like, there's so many tips and tricks to help people, you know, stay accountable on logging in their food, there's tips and tricks on, you know, getting that one extra rep. That's one thing that I teach clients as well, too, is like, you know, one extra rep is going to add up over time, like to a lot of extra reps, which is more time under tension, and that's going to reach your goals faster. But it's like the 1% rule, the you know, doing things, motivation is short term, right? Consistency is what's going to get you there. And dedication when that motivation's not there. And that's just kind of a lot of like the mindset barriers that I have to go over with clients is like, there's not every day that you're going to want to go to OTF. There's not every day that you're going to want to pick the salad or eat at home over going out and grabbing something quick on the way home. Like that's just that's just is what it is. And you got to be okay with that. And you got to ask yourself, okay, that goes back to James being like, what's the deeper reason why, right? Because if you know your deeper reason why you're going to choose that 1% better each day. So that's kind of like, again, it's very case per case with clients and that and like what tips to give. But if there's something that I can just like put out there to give people a tip is even if it's not a great day, would you do a little bit better than the last time you were in that situation?
0: For sure. You know, I'm a I'm a big believer and there's there's beauty in the struggle. And, and what I mean by that is when it comes to the progress, right, and the, the longevity of having to commit to something for a long time. And when you finally get to that point, I feel like you appreciate it so much more, because if it was that easy, right, where you just handed me a blue pill that I could take. And then the next day I woke up 50 pounds lighter and had all the muscle I needed. I wouldn't appreciate it as much as, as working through it. You know what I mean? I Mm -hmm. just like in reference to orange theory, you know, when we're doing hell week and it's just like, Hey, you know, you're, you're paying this $15 registration fee for hell week. You're going to get this shirt no matter what, but it's going to feel so much better to earn it at the end than if I would just, just to give it to you. You know what I mean? So I just think it's important in the fitness to remember that it is a long process. Um, And because it's not something that's achieved overnight, you can take more gratification and appreciation in getting there over time. So, you know, I think, think so um, ultimately guys, it's reached that time in our podcast where we're, we're coming to a close. Um, Again, if you are listening on YouTube, make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to our channel. Uh, If you have any comments or questions for Kate, uh, make sure you drop them in the comment section on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on Spotify again, make sure you're following um Kate, you know, we had a blast having you on here today. We'd love Yeah, to thanks have for you having you guys. Um it's 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 been great. So with all things said and done, um we're going to go ahead and sign off. So we'll uh we'll be dropping another podcast here in a, a couple of
3: weeks and we look forward to talking to you guys again soon.
1: Awesome. See you guys.